Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Razorback fans, welcome to episode number 20 of the Hog Talk podcast. This is your host, Jacob Davis, and your co-host, Ty Hudson. Ty, how you doing tonight, man? How's it going? It's going great, dude. Tonight, we're talking a little bit about the reactions. Uh, it's it's going to be uncut, unedited reactions to last night's loss against Ole Miss, and then we'll be taking you, the fans, questions, comments, and we'll answer them the best we can. This is episode number 20 of the Hog Talk Podcast. Jay's on the corner playing spades. I'm an ordinary person, but a pain. White man out. Fox flipping, wet and smoking, and we choking off a whole pound of purple. Famous like the Ninja Turtle. White man out. Just left New York City, hooked up with Pete. Did it finna blow past 50, you gon' have to. White man out. We the best, I'm a fool, I'm the Hemi man. Red light, green light, yellow light. Get it, Cause I'm on white man out. 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 Cause I'm. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. So hear me out. It's free. My father-in-law always says, the only thing better than cheap is free. So take advantage of it. There's a creation tool that allows you to record and edit from your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you. So it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and all the podcast platforms out there. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to know to make a podcast in one place. So, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. So, this is this is a bad football game last night, Ty. Give us your honest opinion as to what was going on throughout the whole game. Like, what were your takeaways? Was there any know. good takeaways? Bad takeaways? Like, what was going on? I don't know if you want my honest opinion, Jacob. I, uh, Hog fans are obviously pretty upset, you know, and I, I get it. I went live very off the uh, – well, uns- unscripted for me. I don't typically do that, but on the YouTube channel, I actually went live immediately following the loss. And uh, my reaction was pretty raw there, but the comment section was absolutely just blowing up. People, oh, you know, and I get it. You're, you're upset, you're angry, and you want to let it all out right then and there. And, of course, we know across social media everyone was upset. And I feel like we're about to do the exact same thing here. <laughs> but I got a lot of it out last night, so during that live stream. And uh, so, and if you're listening to this and if you were there, thank you. I appreciate it. Appreciate the support. So... I mean, Jacob, my only takeaway is that, once again, I felt like this team and Chad Morris and Craddock just unprepared. Uh, they, they, the offense, again, struggled. They couldn't find um, – they just – they couldn't – they weren't on the same page. There was no gel. There was no uh, – I guess, I don't know, they almost looked like deer in headlights a little bit. But for the most part, it was just nobody really – no one – no one broke out. We didn't have anyone really step up. Rakeem Boyd ha- had a couple of nice plays. and and But, you know, Ben Hicks, you come out as the starter. And according to Chad Morris, that's his guy. And you you feel like when you listen to the, when you listen to Chad Morris talk about Ben Hicks, you kind of feel like he's sticking up for the guy and like he really wants Hicks to hold on to this job. But Hicks in the first half and, and then throughout most of the Portland State game, the question still remains, why is this guy starting at quarterback? Is Nick Starkle really that 
off? Does he really not have any idea what's going on with this offense? What little bit we saw against Portland State, Starkle was actually able to move the, the, the offense down the field a little bit. And then they make an adjustment in the second half. They bring Starkle in, and, and Starkle looked like he knew exactly what was going on. The, the offense was actually able to move the football down the field. They had a touchdown called back. They were finally able to get into the end zone. Uh, Colian Jackson, who I think that was actually his first career receptor, first career touchdown uh, since being with the it Razorbacks. Was, yes. It was a very nice touch pass. If you guys go back and watch that, it was a really impressive throw by Nick Starkle. I mean, he delivered several of those throws. And, you know, if you go back and you watch that first series, he got knocked on his butt. He took a lick after handing the ball off to Rakeem Boyd. He got right back up. And uh, I think they had a they had a penalty on that drive. They they didn't snap the ball off in time, so they had a, a delay of play or, or a, a, a delay game penalty. And but you kind of felt like, oh boy, Starkle, maybe he's not the guy. And you saw people on all the Ben Hicks defenders on Twitter telling you, well, this is why Starkle's not the guy. And then he he turns it on, and he's clearly the guy. He's clearly the better quarterback, and it makes you wonder what through all of fall camp did this staff not see in Starkle that they did see in Hicks to make Hicks be the starter for the last two weeks. And it just goes back to, does this staff have any clue what's going on 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 the offensive side of the ball? Or is this this kind of tug of war with Chad Morris feeling like he owes Hicks the chance to lose the job or to actually force Starkle to have to compete for the job? It, we said this on the last podcast. I've said this multiple times on my channel, the, the Picture Network. Starkle is clearly the better talent. And finally, they got it right in the second half. They, If they announce Hicks as the starter against Colorado State, there might be riots in Fayetteville. I don't know. <laughs> All across the state. But, yeah, this game was offensively ugly. Even Starkle in the second half still had trouble a little bit getting the ball down the field on Ole Miss. Defensively, Curl... I'm going to say it like we said on social media, curl for Heisman. I mean, this guy yeah, now has, he has, a, he has a sack, tackles for loss, an interception, now a fumble recovery for what was it, 69 yards for a touchdown. And the guy yeah. through two weeks. Like the clearly... guy. Go ahead. He He's looking like somebody that's come from sophomore year. He In freshman year, he was okay, but now – here he is. I mean, he's coming into his own tie, and he looks really good. Better yeah, than Curl, I ever expected. Curl looks good. This, the rest of the secondary, I'm not so sure about. Fouché's got some time, right? I mean, he's only a sophomore, and I think Fouché will develop into a, a pretty legitimate safety. McClellan just looked lost. Uh, I thought him and Brooks, I know Brooks is a freshman, but I thought those guys that were covering, and it looked like they were playing a lot of zone, a lot of cover two, a lot of cover three, and uh, the defense – you know, a very, I don't know, Corral, I think, is just this average freshman. The SEC Network made him out to be like the next Heisman contender on a, on a battle miss football team. I was so sick and tired of hearing them talk about Corral like he's he's a godsend or something. But um, he was able to carve them up a little bit in the secondary. I was not impressed with the secondary of this game. Outside of Curl, I just, I just wasn't. It uh, looked like they... They didn't get blown off the ball. It's not like they had a horrendous game, but there just wasn't anything there for me to go, okay, they're fine in the secondary. And Ole Miss last week against a Memphis defense that in 2018 was one of the worst defenses in college football, they couldn't move the ball on those guys on def- on, on offense against Memphis. 
And then this week, you know, they wear the defense down. I'll give them that. The offense couldn't stay on the field. It's not all on the defense. I don't want anyone to think I'm attacking Chief in this defense. But I just thought they were underwhelming on, on defense. I know our good friend Greg Curl is going to tell us patience and all that, and he's right. For, for not just the secondary of the defense, for the whole year we need to have patience, as hard as that is right now. But, uh, again, I think everyone who's pushing that narrative, they're not wrong. We do need to be patient. But there's just there just wasn't a whole lot of positive here, Jacob. Other than Nick Starkle and Curl, associate uh, game was pushing the inside a little bit on the you know in the interior defensive line. He was pushing he was pushing those guys back. Uh, we saw Cheyenne O'Grady step onto the field and make a couple of plays. The offensive line was horrendous, especially during the first half. It looked like I'll say the absolute biggest positive was that Starkle got in rhythm and was delivering some just really nice throws and was actually able to move the ball down the field. So that, I guess that's my takeaway as far as the positives and the negatives. I know that it's it's um, really easy to be negative right now. I get that completely, 110%. But, yeah, there's they're still a long ways to go. And now they got Colorado State coming up, and I wonder what kind of adjustments they make and, and you know what they do as far as the starting quarterback is concerned. Now, as far as negatives go, I'm going to talk about a couple of positives. As far as the secondary, they, I mean, Jaquiz McHillian, he got beat one time, and the ball was overthrown. That was really the only play. But there was that play, that that deciding score that Ole Miss had late in the ball game. Their, Ole Miss's wide receiver, number eight, uh, his name's escaping me right now. But the defense was playing zone. If your safeties, if at least one of them steps up instead of both spreading outside it was it was third and what i think 18 and if arkansas would have stopped and you get the you you get the uh, ball back and and you're down seven you and you get a chance to tie the game instead your safeties break backwards it's like they were trying to protect the boundaries really instead of breaking in the middle of the defense and tie me and you we watched a lot of football and over the last maybe four or five years even that bad 2015 defense there was a lot of times over the past five years with the Razorbacks, their defenses were suspect over the middle. Where, where, what's going on there? Why can are are the fans at home just seeing and, and and media out there just are they seeing the same thing we are and the and the coaches not seeing it? What's going on there? Why? Why are the coaches not seeing it when the fans and 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 everybody all everybody in the media see? that the middle of the field is open every single game. And opponents attack it, and we never, you know, close the deal. What's the deal there? Well, I, I don't know if it has something to do with the way Chavis dials up his, his defense. We know that he likes to blitz, and that can leave you, that can leave you pretty uh, exploitable in certain, you know, certain places on the field on defense. And uh, Scooter Harris, I've noticed the last couple of weeks, looks like he's been out of position, but I don't know how much of that's just him I don't know if if they're if they've got him spying on the quarterback and he's moving outside. I don't know what's going on, but that has been something that it's it's naturally one of the most difficult things to defend when you've got these guys. When you run a lot of zone defense, when you run a lot of zone, well, when an offense starts dialing up these crossing routes, you know these slant routes over the middle, you you better have some pretty good linebackers and guys covering the middle of the field. And Arkansas is not the only defense to struggle defending. And, and if you've got receivers that are willing to sacrifice their bodies and try to make that catch over the middle, they're pretty they're pretty brave and they're able to do it. Well, then 
I, I would argue that seven times out of 10, they're going to be successful, whether it's, you know, just a little four or five yards, or if it's, you know, if they try to push behind the linebackers into the second tier of the defense, they can pick up a lot of yards. Um, it, it was a problem, and it looked like for a little while they had solved it, and the secondary was kind of on the same page for a little bit, and then they just, you know, they were tired by the end of the game, and, you know, going into the end of the fourth, Ole Miss could do whatever they wanted to. And you and I talked about that before we started recording, that the defense was was suspect, and they were tired, and depth was an issue. And I think the secondary depth is going to be an issue. Outside of the safeties, where you got a lot of youth, the corners, you know, I'm wondering, you know, we didn't see Devin Bush. At least I didn't. Maybe you did. I didn't see him on the field. We saw really just Buster Brown and McClellan. And that was really all I saw take the field. I didn't see Ladarius Bishop or anybody else sub in at the corner spots. Maybe they should, or maybe they're just worried about their depth there. I don't know. Or they just don't trust the guys behind the starters. But there's, they might be a little suspect. If Ole Miss, if a freshman quarterback's able to do that to you. And, again, I know that, that he was highly touted. Correll is someone who's regarded as a potential big-time quarterback. But uh, Ole Miss didn't look good against Memphis last week. Again, you talk about all the new faces they have, not only on their line of scrimmage, but their receivers. You know, you've got to, again, we talked about Correll being a freshman quarterback. For them to have that kind of success so easily over the middle was a, it was pretty alarming, pretty concerning. And that makes you wonder, okay, now you're about to take on, you know, that was probably the easiest SEC opponent you're going to play all year, the rest of the season. As far as we could tell, that could change. But then you've got A&M, and you're going to get into Alabama and Auburn guys with more talent on the offensive side of the ball. What are they going to be able to do over the middle against Arkansas? What are they going to be able to do offensively against the Razorbacks? Can they contain? Can they you know, continue to dial up pressure and get some sort of pressure in the backfield? Didn't see as much of that as I'd like to have seen or like what we saw against Portland State. I, I wish we could have seen more pressure on Coral, and, and uh, he got a little too comfortable there for a little bit. But there's a number of things going on. Chief likes to dial up pressure, and it leaves you, it leaves a gaping hole on the defense. And if you aren't able to cover it up, it's going to cost you. Yeah. And one thing, if we go back to the offensive side of the ball, when you're running the football as a quarterback, turn up the field and stop acting scared. Good grief. I, I was watching Ben Hicks every time he would decide to run the ball. I know you don't want to get hurt and all, but man, be a man. Grow some hair on your chest and tuck your shoulder and and try to pick up a first down. Good grief! It looked like you were trying to run to the bathroom and you were gonna you weren't gonna get there fast enough, and so you had to skip out of bounds to to avoid being tackled. It was just stupid. Mm. And I mean, be a man. I don't want to call out players, you know, but be a man. Don't be afraid of contact. Football's a contact sport. And, I mean, if I remember right, I don't remember seeing Darren McFadden ever back down from uh, <laughs> Alabama. Uh, I, was, I don't remember. <laughs> I know, I know. But I don't remember seeing Matt Jones ever say no to contact. Even Tim Tebow, I don't remember him. You know, you can go down a list of, of guys that were great football players. You you got to you got to invite contact to yourself. Well, when you're a quarterback, though, Jacob, I I, I get uh, naturally they're not as physical. I mean, yeah, we could name off a bunch of quarterbacks that were that were you know tough, right? And Ben Hicks may not be that. I don't know, but those are also guys. Tim Tebow, dual threat, right? 
had yeah. that 6'3", 6'4", 250-pound frame. Matt Jones, 6'6", 220, and the yeah. guy ran a 4'3", laser. Um, Amazing numbers. I, incredible. I, ben Hicks is not that kind of quarterback. No. I, don't, I, I wish just learn to slide. Don't dance yeah. around. My biggest problem was, was the play calling. My biggest, absolute biggest problem with this offense was Craddock's play calling. It, it was vanilla is not even the right word. Head up the rear end, maybe. Maybe that's the right word. You know, they, they tried to run that hog wild offense, you know, where, you, where you've got Rakeem Boyd taking this direct snap. It cost them. I don't know how many times they ran it. You know, we tried to talk about that. We tried to break that down last night on the live stream, and I can't remember how many times they ran it, maybe eight, nine times. How many of those times did they actually get positive yardage out of that, out of that first, formation? First down. One first down. It was terrible. The play calling was atrocious. And uh, the question, I guess we need to start reading these questions off, but uh, someone had asked on Facebook about someone else making the play call. I'm going to have to pull that up, but uh, something about Craddock. I'm going to have to find that. Oh, here it is. Uh, can we see Coach Morris change, change in his staff this coming off season? This is from Logan Holmes. If we don't see any progression over the rest of the season. Yeah. If, if Craddock doesn't get this figured out offensively, Chad Morris is going to start making changes. At least he better. And it's going to, it's going to start with him. If the offense doesn't gel, if they don't find their place throughout the season and they continue to look lost and discombobulated on the offensive side of the ball, Craddock's got to be the guy that you change. You also wonder about the offensive line coach, Coach Fry. Do they make a change there if there's no, if there's no, uh, you know, if we don't get better play out of the out of the offensive line? Yeah, yeah, Logan, we absolutely he should, and, and I think that he will make some changes because going into year three, depending on how this season pans out, Chad Morris's seat. Not saying it's going to be hot. Not saying he's going to get fired. So please keep the hate mail like. Don't email us the, the 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 negative and the you guys are just too negative and you're wanting Chad Morris out. No, but his his seat going into year three, depending on how year two pans out, could start to warm up a little bit. So yeah, I absolutely could see Chad Morris making some changes. But no, I, I I'm with you in that. I wish I just wish they, I wish somebody would step up on the on the offensive side of the ball besides Rakeem Boyd, and maybe it's Starkle. I don't know. I mean. What was before Craddock was the offensive coordinator at SMU? Wasn't he a grad assistant at Clemson? I mean, his first three yeah. seasons ever calling plays was at SMU. That's American Athletic Conference. You're playing North Texas. Uh, what is it, Tulane? Um, I mean, you you have Tulsa. And I, I think I, maybe this Conference USA teams, but UConn. I mean, there's teams that, that that's who you're calling plays against. Of course, you're going to have success against those guys. There is nobody on that offensive staff outside of of Jeff Trailer that has any division one experience in the uh, football uh, bowl subdivision as a power five coach. Mm-hmm. Nobody outside of Jeff Trailer. He's a great recruiter. I mean, I wouldn't mind seeing him be bumped up. I wouldn't mind seeing uh, Justin Step who is having an absolutely great time at developing, doing a good job developing the receivers. Yeah. And you, don't have to, you don't have to do much uh, developing job uh, when you're trying to work with Trey Knox, Traylon Burks, and T.Q. Jackson. Those guys are self-made. <laughs> you, you know something that's interesting about them? Did you notice after, and, and I saw this last week against Portland State, that when they get the ball thrown to them, assuming they catch the damn thing, 
Uh, Knox has he's got to have like four drops in two weeks or something. It's incredible. But when they do, do they not look really freaking hard to tackle? Did you notice oh, that? Gosh. Like Knox is yes. over is like stepping over these guys. Burks yeah. on the on the punt return is like bodying people. This is a freshman. Granted, he's six yeah. three, two hundred and twenty five pounds, but they they run and they run like they're smaller, like they have a smaller frame, but yeah. they don't. They're giants. They're power forwards, and then they're physical enough. They look like running backs or fullbacks from the yeah. from the nineties. They look so hard to tackle and difficult to bring down. I hope we see that. You talk about the development. I'm with you. I don't know how much they actually need. Just yeah. get them the ball. Let these guys yeah. ball out. But but look at Trey Knox. He had 86 yards last night. Five and if yards. that yeah, if that guy had had that touchdown not called back off a off an ineligible receiver downfield, that goes down to coaching. But if Trey Knox had caught that pass and, and actually counted towards the stat, that guy had a career day for a freshman. Yeah. Like he would have been a well over maybe 130, 140 yards receiving. And he's a stud. Burks is a stud. Watching him uh, punt return is just a thing of beauty. I love seeing that. But Joe Craddock, I mean, I don't want to be mean to a guy because I, 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 I'm just not that kind of guy. But if if I'm that bad at my job, I'm getting told by my – my by, by my boss that hey uh, you need to get this fixed up you need to get going you need to start improving right. Chad Morris needs to start calling the plays as the head coach I want to move on and, and I, I agree with you maybe move uh, move Craddock down to QB coach or something I don't know they got to get that figured out with 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 Craddock Cody Lambert on Twitter he says we asked for questions and he's just giving us comments but that's okay we'll take it he says he, he lists four things here that need to happen. Number one, Starkle has to start. I agree with that. Time to see I Spivey. Yep. I, time to see Spivey. And I, I don't think he's wrong because outside of Rakeem Boyd, who's stepping up at the running back position? Three, he says, three he says we need to continue to give Morris time and support. Um, nobody's saying that we shouldn't, but 14 games, we've not really seen a step in the right direction. And I'm going to get into the haters here in just a second. We got a lot of people that don't like, you know, if you criticize Arkansas, you're you're not a fan apparently. But anyways, not having Bell and Dorian really hurt our D-line strength and depth, and I couldn't agree with that more. Dorian Gerald was a guy that I've said all year, all offseason, look for him to be a look for him to make a significant push compared from 2018 to this year. And in that first quarter, the guy was dominant. He was pushing around whoever they they put in front of him, and not yeah. having him out there is. Uh, been pretty crucial. The guy played the first quarter. He was a baller. He got hurt in the first half. We, you know, obviously we're not going to see from him the rest. He will be back, but he won't be back the rest of the uh, this year. But he'll be back next year. But I couldn't agree more with what Cody said as far as time to see Spivey and 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 that Starkle has to start. He's a hundred percent right. Starkle needs to be the guy, and it's time to give someone else the ball besides Raheem Boyd in that backfield. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, Dev Whaley's not producing. Where was Chase Hayden last night? Besides the kickoff return that he returned 10 yards, the only running back we saw was Raheem Boyd. Yeah, and, and some of that, again, kind of goes on. It goes into play calling. Uh, the Chase Hayden yeah. the Chase Hayden gives are just bad play calls. I mean, in, in the offensive line not doing their job. But still, they only gave him the ball twice. I think DeVal Whaley carried the ball twice and had a fumble. Um, someone besides Rakeem has got to step up at the skill position. Somebody, I don't know if it's got to be a freshman, uh, you know, a freshman wide receiver or 
you know, maybe it's Spivey. Someone needs to get on the field, get an opportunity, and and to step up. That's maybe that's asking too much. I don't know. The offensive line still has a has a long ways to go. Um, John Roby says, uh, discuss how Craddock is in over his head. <laughs> Hicks is done. Time for Starkle and John Stephen Jones? Question mark. What are your thoughts there? I I really you've already heard my thoughts on Craddock. Yeah. But as far as John Stephen Jones goes, I mean, I wouldn't mind him. I, I think Ben Hicks would be your backup. We don't know what we're going to get with John Stephen Jones. But Starkle, he's your star. And you can't spell Starkle without the word S-T-A-R. I'm mm. not trying to be a homer here. But... Look at that. <laughs> Look at you hey, go. Who knew think, guys were walking Do you think he's going to be a star? Really, do, you, do you have that much faith in him? you think he's going to be a star? Because that's a pretty bold – that's a – Look, I mean, you just pointed out Star in that guy's last name. I was calling him Tony Starkle, you know, like Iron Man on Twitter. <laughs> no, he 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 may be a star, maybe in year two in the offense, but he is a better option than what Arkansas has right now. He's the best option. Preach. Preach. Uh, and then we'll read – I'll read one more off Twitter, and then you can read one off Facebook, Jacob. Um, okay. This is from uh, someone who watches a lot of our st- – or listens to a lot of what we do. Uh, I think it's – is it Kelly Marie or Kelly Mary? Yeah, Kelly uh, Marie. She's a she's a great hogette. Yeah, she is indeed. She says, why do, we, why do we sub out every position on the field but offensive line? Arguably the worst, she says, and we'll get into that. Craddock play calling. Question. Well, she's got the face palm emoji over uh, three times there, so you know she's very doubtful of the play calling with three of those emojis. Uh, Kelly, we love you. She says uh, from TV angle that missed field goal didn't look like a miss. Anyone else see a better angle? And then she says, do Cam and Joe get turnovers every game this year on a tear? So I'll start with the uh, with the offensive line. You don't typically sub out offensive linemen. I think it's a combination of the fact that they're heavy guys. Trying to run them on and off the field is probably asking a bit much, although I think at times they probably should. I'm with you, Kelly. Uh, Dalton Wagner, very questionable performance last night. Really, the whole offensive line, very questionable. Even Myron Cunningham, I don't think, graded out very well. So, But that's one of the reasons why it's just I think it's asking too much, and most teams don't typically sub out a lot on the offensive line. But I'm with you. I think they should. As far as the TV angle, it was a missed field goal. I didn't see anything different. I don't know about you, Jacob. Um, and then she said, uh, the Duke, does Cam and Joe get turnovers every game this year? Boy, they certainly are on a tear. She's right. I hope so. And Curl, holy cow. Uh, I, I'm asking, please stick around for year four. Like, I think he might be an NFL. I, he is an NFL prospect. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about that. I just hope that he sticks around for another year. So what? Is, what is your take there on what she has to say? So as far as the field goal goes, I'm guessing she's talking about, yeah, the the missed field goal. I I thought it was wide right. Um, I I looked at all the camera angles I could get. It was was bad. It was so far right. As far as the offensive line, uh, you can't really sub the offensive line. You just kind of got to go with a cohesive unit and keep them going out there. They're They're big units. Yeah. I mean, look, I'm, I'm 5'11", 250, and... And I would look like hot garbage trying to run off the sidelines anyway. So, I mean, it's that that's just what it is. Um, do Cam and Joe get turnovers every every game? I would love to see Cam just tear it up at safety this year. I think 
Uh, he's probably been the best safety Arkansas has had in a very long time. Uh, I really think him and Joe are going to be a good team. I mean, Joe was one of the highest touted safeties and uh, one of the highest and rated recruits at safety Arkansas has ever had. That's saying something. Well, uh, between him, New Orleans. Between yeah, him and, and then you got Jalen Catalan in this class, who was yeah. even higher rated, who was actually a four star, I think, across the board. Yeah. Uh, I did say, okay, let me do one more. One more. One more. Oh. Only because okay. Okay. they bring they bring up a really good point. I can't Arkansas, wait. Arkansas Edge, or uh, he goes by at Arkansas Sports 2019 on Twitter, says and I'm just I'm gonna I'm gonna put this into a question, but I guess he's got more of a comment. He says, need to see KJ Jefferson in the next few games. Interested in seeing him run this offense. O line is still dragging behind in progress. Couldn't could not agree more with that. What are your thoughts? Because next up, you've got you've got Colorado State, San Jose State, and you've still got Western Kentucky games. You feel like Arkansas should win easily. Do you think we get to see KJ at all this year, or or, or is he just, you know, are they just going to struggle on offense all season, and maybe they don't get a chance to get him out there? What are your thoughts? Good grief, that's a good question. Gosh, dude. I really want to see KJ out there, but if we don't, it's okay. You, you, you live to live to having all next year and the next two years, maybe. Mm-hmm. Who knows what? I mean, is he even going to be a player that can produce? Is he a guy that they move ahead of John Stephen Jones and and just let him out there and play, see what he can do? I mean, he's six five, two thirty eight. I mean, he's got good size. Uh, good speed. He's kept his speed, too. That's what's the impressive thing. I think a lot of it has to do with their throwing mechanics. His throwing mechanics kind of remind me of what uh, Kelly Bryant has at Missouri. And my gosh, he, that guy's a fourth fourth or fifth-year player in, in at Missouri. And that guy's, his balls that he throws just look still as terrible as they did when he was a freshman at Clemson. And so, I'm doing I'm still, well, though. Doing yeah, well. he is doing well. Putting up numbers. I mean, 400 yards. Yeah. He's still putting up, putting up numbers, but you know, you don't know what you're going to get out of a guy until you put him out there. And that's what Starkle did last night. And I was telling my father-in-law during the break, uh, during halftime, I said, look, if you put Starkle out there, what do you get? And he, he told me a couple of things. And I said, look, it's not going to hurt to put him out there because it has to be better than, than what, uh, what Arkansas put out there in the first half. And it was because Ben Hicks only completed seven passes in the first half, and and in two drives, Nick Starkle had was eight of nine throwing the football in the first two drives of the third quarter. He had more yardage and completed more passes in two drives. Well, on what, that, yeah. speaking of that, if we, if we want to compare the two quarterbacks really quick, and we're going to do just that, uh, Ben Hicks twenty one of forty five so far this year, two hundred and forty one yards. A completion percentage, and this is according to ESPN, again, through two games. This is the two games combined. His average completion is right at about five yards. His pass completion is at 46%. His his uh, adjusted quarterback rating is 91.7. Okay, Nick Starkle. Nick Starkle, who played the entire second half and had one series, I believe, against Portland State, if I remember right. Same amount of completions on fewer throws. 21 of 29 
249 yards, 72% completion ratio, averaged right around nine yards per completion with an adjusted quarterback rating of 149. One touchdown, really should have been two touchdowns, but one touchdown and one interception with one sack taken. Ben Hicks is uh, at three sacks taken for negative uh, 16 yardage on those. So I I don't know about you, but you feel like this is Starkle's job to lose now. Let's hope that (laughs) – let's hope Chad Morris and Craddock agree. They would be a fool to start Hicks over Starkle ever again the rest of the season. They would be a fool. I don't know what they were seeing in Hicks through – I mean, they they shouldn't have left Hicks in – for more than the first quarter and a half. Because if you have Starkle in there the whole game, I mean, you don't know, but, I mean, he had success. He threw for 200 yards, over 200 yards in one half. Yep. That's more than any any yards in one half in the Chad Morris era at Arkansas. And, and honestly, look, if Starkle plays the first half, does Arkansas stay in it? Is the game tied throughout the whole – the whole game? I don't know, but Starkle sure looked a heck of a whole lot better. And he deserves to start next Saturday versus Colorado State. I think he's earned it. Yeah, I agree. Do you want to read a uh, Facebook comment? Yeah, let me get in there, and, and I'll give you one that I was really looking at earlier. Otis Fisher, who's one of our top fans. I like how Facebook labels top fans. Uh, then on Twitter, because you mean know, these guys are really are are people that are the most invested in what we have, and then we have over ninety top fans. So I just wanted to put that out there. The backbone, uh, You're yeah, the they're, backbone. they're the backbone. They they they're the frontliner fans of the Hog Talk podcast. Otis Fisher says this probably is not going to make a difference, but where is TQ Jackson and Shamar Nash? Also, Ty. Is there really the offense that we've been holding back? Or is this really the offense they have been holding back the whole time? Uh, as far as TQ Jackson, I'm not really sure. We uh, we saw him last week against Portland State. Uh, Shamar Nash, I think, is going to end up getting redshirted. Everything I've heard is he's still behind in the playbook, which is bizarre because he was here during the spring. And actually, yeah. I, I kept a pretty good eye on him. He actually got got by the uh, secondary a couple of times and even made a really nice catch near the sidelines. Uh, got to give him time. You know, he's another one of those big bodies. He's like 6'2". He's the shorter. He's the shortest one of the bunch. He's like 6'2 and a half. But, uh, yeah, TQ Jackson, I'm not really sure what happened last night. I don't think he was injured. Uh, He just, just, I guess the game was too close and they just weren't comfortable putting him in. I do think you'll see more of him as the season goes on, unless there's an injury that we don't know about. Uh, As for the second question about the offense, yeah, I mean, (laughs) that that has to be it, right? I mean, that was an SEC opponent that you don't think they were holding anything back, or at least you, you, you wouldn't imagine. Now you've got Starkle as your quarterback, and I guess we'll see. Otis, I guess we'll see what they what they do from here on out, assuming Starkle gets the job. But they they've got to take a, a, the right step in the right direction. It starts this week against Colorado State. They got to get it right. Get in. Yeah. Get these guys on the same page. Like you mentioned earlier, I can't remember if we said this while we were recording or not. But let Starkle, if he's your guy, run with the ones. No more no more circulating out guys. You know sharing time with the ones and twos. No more of that. Put Starkle in as your one, or ugh, as much as I don't want to say it, or if it's Hicks, leave them there. Let them get repetition with the, with the ones and, and 
get it figured out. Yeah. No more, no more splitting time. But yeah. yeah, I think I do think they'll be better. We'll see a better offense this week because they're playing Colorado State. But I don't know. Who knows what happens this weekend? Really, with Craddock being the play caller. Yeah, and and going back on the TQ Jackson comment, he was out there for a couple of plays last night. He had his number called on the seam route, which was on the sideline in the boundary era. Okay, and he there was that it was that. Early on in the first drive of the second half, I think it was like third play, and I mean it was it was third and long. You're backed up to your own goal line, and and Starkle threw a flag pattern out there for TQ, and I don't know if TQ just stopped on the route or what, but it was well overthrown. So, okay, he was out there. I don't think Shamar Nash traveled, but I'll I have to check. I on didn't that. see. Yeah, I just didn't see T- TQ out there. And to be fair, I haven't. I haven't gone back and rewatched the game. I just kind of watched some highlights and bits and pieces here and there. I didn't actually go back and watch from start to finish. But okay, that's good to know that he was out there. Hopefully, uh, we see more of him. He's someone that I, he's I think he's actually the tallest of the bunch. He's like six five, somewhere around there. He's he's a uh, kind of like that. He strikes me as like the Marcus Monk of the receiving core. Like he could be someone yeah. they could really rely on with his with his size and athleticism. Yeah, man, the wide receiver core should be one of the best that Arkansas's ever had. And I mean, as early on in their careers and stuff, but you never I've never seen Arkansas have so much size at the wide receiver position. They've definitely upgraded. And if Coley and Jackson can start to come on a little bit, that even adds uh, even more talent to that wide receiver position. Absolutely. He came out of Little Rock, a four-star prospect out of Joe T. Robb. I mean, he's 6'2", 6'3", has legendary, NFL legendary pedigree. Mm. There's no denying that. If he can begin to come on, the the sky's the limit for him. Yeah. I mean, this could be one of the best receiving groups that Arkansas's ever had. So I don't know if there's any more questions we want to get to. I'm going to look one more time. Um, somebody asked, did Chad lose the fan base last night? I don't think uh, anybody's – I don't think he's lost the fan base, but there's still – it's been so hard, Ty, over the past – Eight years, just because we've seen where Arkansas could go under Bobby Petrino, and everybody—I mean, we want to hop up the band bandwagon and we go again. Mm-hmm. We hop back on the bandwagon and and we will go again. But there's never been a bandwagon under Chad Morris that we've ever been able to hop on. Well, yeah, you're right, and it is to be fair, it is only 14 games. As much as we want to yeah. say we've not seen progress. We've not seen progress through through 14 games. It is still only 14 games. They do still have the rest of the year. Listen, winning cures everything. I know that's a yeah. laughable comment right now for Razorback fans, but if he can win a couple games in a row, you'll start to kind of get the fan base back. Social media is just toxic, okay? Yes. You're going to get the most toxic of the toxic of the toxic on social media. And now we'll come off as that way a little bit, I'm sure, but I'm just completely blunt and honest. That's just who I am by nature. I'm going to call it like it is and I tried it I did that last night on the live stream and I'm doing it here they, they they've got a long ways to go the staff does it they want to completely win this fan base over which that's going to take a miracle because they're going to have to do something that nobody sees coming you know they're going to have to perform and, and get this thing moving in the right direction but um I I yeah I don't think they've lost the fan base but they they still got a lot of work to do to create buzz and excitement um there was one other question, or someone had commented about KJ Jefferson. This was from uh, Nicholas Miller, and uh, Nicholas Miller says KJ Jefferson, why not throw him in? He can't be worse than the other two. Uh, 
I don't know if Nicholas Miller just didn't catch the second half, but Starkle actually looked pretty darn good. And I don't know that you throw in a freshman when you've got when you've got Starkle coming in this week with as much hype as as he has going into going into this Colorado State game. I do think, like we said earlier, I do think eventually you see uh, you do eventually see KJ get some playing time, maybe if they can pull away from somebody. And another thing too that's been kind of driving me crazy, just because people criticize this team or anything to do with Arkansas, that doesn't make them any less of a fan than you. I, I really wish people on social media would get off that that uh, get off their soapbox with that. You're allowed to criticize something you love. We do it with our country. We do it with uh, with with Arkansas Razorback sports things that we love. And it's okay to criticize. That doesn't make me any less of a fan than you. We had people in our in our social media feed across you know Twitter and Facebook really believe that because we're stating our opinions that that makes us less fans or that we quote unquote don't know football. I love that one. Anytime they disagree with you, you just don't know football. But uh, that doesn't make you any less of a fan. And and someone said this on Twitter. And I don't have it pulled up, but but they actually encouraged people. And this is a member of the media. I, I had it. I don't know if you saw that, Jacob, but a member of the media even said to to do exactly that, to go out and be vocal about what you're displeased with. Because just sitting by and being silent doesn't get anything done. The, the coaching staff needs to know that fans are unhappy. You know, they need to know that. And I know a lot of people are going to say, well, I'm sure they're very well aware of that based on their performance. But still, I agree with with – Golly, I can't believe I don't have that pulled up on my phone. Uh, but I agree with that sentiment. There's nothing wrong with taking to social media and voicing your displeasure. That's just that's how I feel, and and uh, I'm sure Jacob, you agree with that. I don't know. But I'll share. I'll share it if you want me to. I'll, uh, yeah. I'll share my opinion. Yes, I do mean, it. I hear it. Look, I think any fan that becomes complacent with a program and where they're at. And, and you you can share your opinion. You don't have to be afraid to, hey, just shove it out there. Look, everybody deserves their right to own opinion. I mean, everybody deserves the freedom of speech. And that's what I shared on our Facebook page last night, was that I want your comments. I want your questions. I want you to feel free to tell us how you feel about where the Razorback program is. It, it just shows that you still care about this program. Yep. You can say, Oh gosh, they suck again. You know, or or you can say, My gosh, get Ty Story out of the ball game. Gosh, Brandon Allen, I mean, just threw another pick and and we're gonna lose to Texas Tech and Toledo. Or right. you know, it doesn't I mean you can share your displeasure because it shows you still care and it holds the coaching staff accountable. It holds Hunter Urichek accountable. It's some. It's got to come from somewhere. And actually, I just found uh, who said it was Mike Irwin. Mike Irwin. If you don't know who that is, you're probably living under a rock. He's been covering the Razorbacks forever. But he says, he said this about 12 hours ago. It was after the game. Apathetic fans give you nothing. This football program still has a pulse as long as there are hog fans out there who refuse to accept losing. Stay yes. angry. Demand better. Uh, don't quit. Y'all are the best. I could not agree more. Now again. Also, we're not stating our displeasure and telling you that this is over with. We're just critiquing. And in fact, that's what Jacob and I do. That's what we do. We gotta have a podcast. We gotta give you our 
our blunt, honest opinion. At the end of the day, you don't want someone here just telling you, you know, blowing smoke up your rear end. That's not what you want. You want the honest to God truth. And that's what we're going to give you. We're going to critique this team. And you know what? We're probably going to do it on social media too. So deal with it. But we had, again, we had people across social media that were really on this, on their soapboxes preaching about how, you know, if you do that, that makes you less of a fan or that you just don't quote unquote, no football, which I find hilarious. Um, no, continue to do so voice your displeasure don't tweet at players please don't tweet it at recruits don't do that but there's nothing wrong again with taking to social media with your with your uh, with your displeasure with what you're if you're not liking what you're seeing hey you do you that's that's my philosophy yeah, yeah. i mean you can you can critique it without yeah like without adding players because that's the lead, that's that's the last thing you want to do is <laughs> get that fired up. Because we've seen it for the past couple of seasons. Social media has just been, it, especially for Arkansas fans, has become a a crazy thing. But I, I you look and, and and you you look on social media, you look at news sites, and and Clay Travis, a uh, guy that's uh, one of the Tennessee Volunteers' uh, biggest fans or, or or media guys, he came out a couple of years ago with. Top ten worst fan bases. No, it was and dumbest Arkansas fan was bases. in the top ten. Dumbest, dumbest fan bases. That's what it was. Yeah. No fan base is dumb because if you're a fan and you absolutely care about the team, you're gonna expect to win championships. If you're not expecting to win games, you're not a fan. I'm telling you, like if if you're not expecting to win every single game, and I'm not saying that they should, but if you don't go in thinking or or if you're stopping to care, you're not a fan. That's what I'm trying to say. It doesn't matter if you win or lose or or you expect to win or lose, whatever. Mm. But my point here is if you no fan base is dumb. Tennessee's not dumb. Texas Longhorns aren't dumb. LSU's not dumb. There's no fan. There's no fan base out of all the 136 uh, teams that are in Division One football are are dumb. There's none. I, I, I will say because this. they care. I will say this. Um, Clay Travis, I'm actually a fan of Clay Travis. I, I, I love you know, it. He, he calls out Tennessee, who's he actually put in his top 10 dumbest fan bases. He has Tennessee at 10, Dallas Cowboys at 9. This wasn't just college football. Uh, yeah. Dallas Cowboys at 9, West Virginia at 8, the Oakland Raiders at 7, Pittsburgh Steelers at 6, Notre Dame at 5, Arkansas at 4, Ohio State Buckeyes at 3, Kentucky Wildcats at two, and of course Alabama at number one. I will say this: there are some fan bases based on my experience that are just more toxic than others. A and M has got to be the worst bunch of fans I have ever come across on social media through years of doing YouTube and years of you know just being a troublemaker on Twitter. A and M fans are something else, man. And then Kentucky basketball fans. Oh my God! You'd think yes. they were. You'd think that that was like the second coming of Christ. And if you say anything about about Kentucky, then they're just they group up on you. So you got to be careful. So. I mean, here we are sitting in one and one, but the way t- uh, Tennessee has lost the last two games, oh man, I just really feel bad for their fan base. Like I, I know how it feels because we've lost to ULM, we've lost to Toledo, uh, we've, <laughs> I mean, we've Rutgers, we've had to suffer the Citadel, the Citadel, yeah. Like we know how it feels to lose ball games like this, mm-hmm. and I just I, I can really understand how Tennessee fans can feel the same way that Arkansas fans <laughs> do right now. But thank goodness we're one and one. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know, uh, 
you know, it, it's it's just something. I, I still, as a fan, I still cover the Hogs, but I still have a. I'm a fan at heart. I mean, I've I've grown up watching Arkansas through the years. I've been there where you've seen Arkansas start eight and no under Houston Nutt. That's really really where I started to understand football and started watching was the Clint Sterner years and the Houston Nutt era. And seeing Darren McFadden, and, and and you've seen great players throughout, and that's why I mean, even after Houston struggled through two seasons, and and you come back and you have Darren McFadden in the backfield and Felix Jones back there, and it was the most electric backfield in the country. It may being a fan so fun to watch. You win ten games in a row in '06. You go in an SEC championship game, and again, just feel the the SEC championship at your fingertips. And you fumble away a punt into the end zone, and Florida recovers a touchdown, and 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 you're rolling right with 26 seconds left in the Sugar Bowl, and and you're just right there. And after the uh, scooping the the scooping score that didn't happen, you're just right there. And Ryan throws, uh, and it's a across his body, and it's a pick. You know, you've seen those chances just happen. You've seen a national championship game the next year tie against LSU just slip right through your fingertips. Right. I mean, after Alonzo Highsmith takes a a forty yard punt return to the end zone, the ball's in the air, and you just think, "Oh man, Arkansas's four, up fourteen and nothing." It's just right there, and right. you've gone through the years, and that's what makes you a fan, and that's why it makes me still have hope. Of, of it doesn't matter what coaching staff it is, because it it's not fun to cover losing. It's really not. Right. No, and we we we're right there in the thick of it. So and, yeah. and they're not they're not a. Uh... It's not what we want to see. Regardless, it's not what we want to see, and it's definitely makes this harder. And the fact that we don't get paid to do this makes it even more challenging. Yeah. Um, but my final takeaway from this podcast from this last week, I'll just say this. We know it's a rebuilding process. We know they made a lot of flips on the offensive side of the ball. You got, what, eight or nine new starters compared to a year ago. Uh, the offensive line still has a long ways to go. We get it. We understand that. We're not overlooking that at all. But we just want to see something to be excited about. We haven't seen that through, uh, through, through 14 games. I'm not talking about wins. I'm just talking about, well, maybe the quarterback play increases and we, and we get some, some, you know, something solid there. Maybe the run game absolutely just takes off this year. Maybe the defense clamps down and they're, just, they're way ahead of where we thought they were based on the two, the two games that we've seen. Maybe they're further ahead. We want to see something to get excited about. There's still 10 games left. So we're not panicking. We're not telling you to don't you know don't buy into what's going on, but we are telling you guys that that uh, there's some concerns. Remember, we said that about the Portland State game. There's some concerns there that they didn't blow that team out, and here we are against Ole Miss, losing a, a, an ugly game. So I'm not off the ship. I'm not saying to fire Chad Morris. I'm not saying to fire Craddock. I'm not saying to fire anybody. Let's just let's be patient. I'm all about that, and let's see where this goes throughout the rest of the year. Yeah. And I'll I'll give my final take, maybe, maybe, just maybe, we'll we'll give you my final take here. I really, I want to see progress over the next two weeks. Like we said earlier, have Starkle take all the number one reps. See what he can do with the offense there, and we'll see going into Texas A&M. Can Arkansas keep it competitive? And look, the defense is playing, is playing great outside of being gassed. They played 32 minutes last uh, last night. They were gassed. They they were they were ready to have the offense to kind of, you know, get it going. And they did. They did. But I think it was too late, really, 
because, I mean, the defense was out there the majority of the first half, and Nick Stark was able to move the ball, move the sticks, and kind of keep the defense off the field. And they were getting gas. And you can understand that. Playing 32 minutes on the field, that's over half the game. It's it's going to wear on you. And especially with a lack of, of, of linebacker depth. And, I mean, we've talked about that over and over and over throughout the first 20 episodes of our podcast. The linebacker depth is not there. And it's not just linebacker depth being the issue. It's what, Ty? Quality linebacker depth. I haven't said that in a while, actually. No. No, no, <laughs> yeah, but quality depth is a problem. Yeah, but you want to see progress. I think obviously the defense is really progressing along, and that's what kept Arkansas in the game for the majority of the night. I mean, Cam Coral, he had that touchdown, uh, touchdown fumble return that solely recovered or solely popped out actually with his club hand. And you know, you, the offense, you, you you take away the train knocks touchdown. That that wouldn't be with the ineligible player downfield in your tie ball game there. I mean, they're 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 they're. I'm I'm not going to say the Brett Bielema we're close, but there are points where Arkansas looked like they were going to turn the corner and make it a ball game, and mistakes happen. They've got to clear up the mistakes. They they've got to clear up the issues in play calling. Not going to try to call for anybody's head yet or if ever but they've got to get some of these things, these issues cleared up for Arkansas to advance past three and one. Even if Colorado State, and we'll get later later on this week, I mean, we'll have a live show at Ox Bend Brewing Company in Ozark, Arkansas, right off exit 37, going towards uh, I-40, going towards Alma and Fort Smith area. So if you're, if you're out going towards the uh, Fayetteville for the weekend, come stop by, have a beer, have some food, and have a great time at Oxfam Brewing Company in Ozark, Arkansas. We'll have a live show there starting at 6:30. Uh, if you if you need help finding it, it, there are directions on our Facebook page, and then you can also message us to see how you can get there. They have arguably the best mascot name in the state of Arkansas. The, the hillbilly. Uh, the hillbilly. The hillbillies. That's great. That's uh, incredible. That's it's it's up there with Harrison Goblins. It's up there or with the those bull guys. UAM. The Bowl Evils, the Monticello. Uh, oh yeah. UAM Monticello. Yeah. Does Toad Suck? Does Toad Suck have a they have a mascot? They have a school district? The horny toads. No, I'm just Are kidding. they really? Really? <laughs> no, no, I'm just oh, playing. Okay. <laughs> I was just, if 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 people have ever watched their brother Arthur, they they'd know where I'd get the horny toad comment. Oh, okay. So <laughs> But no, Toad Suck, I don't know if they, I think they may be in the uh, Conway School District. But anyways, like that I, we're gonna have a fun night full of uh, beer and 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 food and if you know if you're not a beer drinker you can obviously I'm sure they have soda too so so you can stop by there come see us and uh, have a good time that night they uh, have this, a, this they coming have a drink Friday named after us the Hawk Talk beer that's right hey is it a beer awesome. is that what it is or is I it like a mixed drink? drink I don't know oh we'll have to see because we haven't t- we haven't tried it yet Ty no. I mean we're gonna have to. We're, Hey, I'm gonna take a couple of uh, uh, ice chest up there and bring them home with me and and enjoy some. Uh, if if Razorbacks aren't gonna improve, at least I can drink to the Hog Talk beer. There you go. There you go. So so that'll do it for episode 20 of the Hog Talk podcast. Time. It was a good show. Uh, good to reflect back on what we saw last night, and hopefully we'll see some improvements uh, the next two weeks against San Jose State and Colorado State this Saturday.
Yeah, we say last night. I know some people. We obviously record this on Sunday. I've, I've actually had some people ask me when we record. It's Sunday night when we record. So if we, if you want to ask questions, you do so there, and and uh, we always reflect back on the game. You know, the day before. So if that throws you off a little bit, our bad. But sorry, I someone had said that on social media. We had a couple people ask that what that was about. We record on on the day before, and then the actual show goes up. Monday morning, we typically record on Thursdays, and then that Friday show goes up early in the morning as well. So for those of you asking, I mean, I'm sure you're listening now. You get it, but. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, yeah, it was a, it was a good show. Uh, I'm really ready to see what Arkansas does the next couple of weeks. And fans, you are the backbone of the Hog Talk podcast. Thank you for tuning in, uh, especially for the 1,000 people that downloaded the Hog Talk podcast on Friday. Y'all are the MVP. Wow. Ty, Ty, that was incredible. That was an incredible day. Uh, something that was unforeseen. Didn't know anything about it. No free advertisement. Nothing Nothing was being marketed. People just wanted to listen and, and see what uh, see what we had for our takes for, for Saturday's game. 6,000 plus total downloads. And that's a little bit different because it takes extra effort to get people to actually click on your links and to actually download the shows. It's different than just clicking on a Facebook video or a YouTube video, click on the link and watching. You have to actually physically click a link and then download the episode. So it's a big deal to get those 6,000 6, total downloads in just yeah. 20. Actually, it was under 20 episodes that we got that. It would have been yeah. 18 or 19 episodes when we broke 6,000. So, yeah, thank, thank you guys so much for all of you that support us across all platforms, Facebook, Twitter. For those of you who follow me over on the uh, Hog Talk pod, or the, uh, the Pig Trail Network, I'm doing too much, Jacob. I'm a part of too many different things. The, uh, the, the Hog Talk here and then, of course, the Pig Trail Network YouTube video. For those of you who follow me around, I really do appreciate it. I'm going to keep working hard. All the donations have been incredible. The Patreon support, you guys, man, you truly are the backbone of what we do, and we we really appreciate you guys. Thank you so much. Yeah, and, and if you can't make it to Ozark next Friday, you can. Even if you can't. We, we hope you do. But if you can't make it to Ozark at Oxfam Brewing Company next Friday, you can catch it live on Facebook and Twitter at 6.30 p.m. So, oh, it's on Twitter. I didn't know that. How, it, are we doing it, it, it on is Periscope? Gonna be, uh, we're going to do it on Periscope, and then we're also going to have a Facebook Live. So there you go. that's how you will get it. Uh, and you, if you want to download the Periscope app, you can do it that way as well. So that'll do it for episode number 20 of the Hog Talk podcast. We appreciate every single one of you again tuning in. Good night. Woo Pig. Ty, you got anything else to say? That's it. That's it. Woo Pig. All right, buddy. Woo Pig. The Yellow Jacket Drive-In is the hub of downtown Shittern, Arkansas. They are the home of the Hubcap Cheeseburgers. They will give you crinkle-cut french fries that will tease your palates. The tastiest shakes in the state at 100 North Rock Street in Shittern, Arkansas. They are family-owned, fast service, and the folks of the Yellow Jacket are ready to see you. Call in your order ahead at 870-942-2486. Shelby Taylor Trucking is the leading timber company in the business. If you need your lane cleared today, Call them at 870-942-7288. TMK Properties is a premier real estate agency for folks looking to move into Sheridan and the surrounding area of Grant County, Arkansas. Tony and Mary Kay Palmer, with their elite real estate agents, are equipped and ready to make your search for the dream home go smoothly as possible. Schedule an appointment with them today at 870-942-0800. 
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.